Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of the week, that we bring you some messages from the mailbag, messages that you yourselves out there have sent into the show account, which, by the way, you can reach at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. If you ever have feedback on an episode that we air, or if you just want to share something interesting with us, uh, get in touch anytime. Contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Uh, let's see, Rob, any business before I jump right in with this message from Ahmed? Uh, no business that I can think of. No. Good. Love a day without business. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Ahmed writes on a monster fact that you did about, uh, parasitic control. Ahmed says, hi, Robert and Joe. Ahmed again. Happy 2023. Your recent monster fact about behavior controlling parasites and Toxoplasma gondii made me think of this recent paper. And then he links to a paper uh, from, uh, well, it's, it's on the, the nature domain. It's communications biology. The exact methodologies of the paper are way out of my wheelhouse, but it seems like the authors looked at wolves over many years, living in areas that overlap with mountain lions where a wolf could be exposed to toxo. Then, looking at those that did get infected uh, at some point versus those that didn't, they found that toxo infection was associated with a 46 times increased chance of becoming a pack leader. That looks to me like a whopping effect size and maybe shows a way in which toxo infection can actually benefit the host. Though I guess a full benefit versus cost analysis would have to talk to the wolves who shouldn't have gone for pack leader but did, uh, but did it anyways under parasitic overconfidence. Keep up the good work, Ahmed. 
Um, well, Ahmed, this, thank you for sending this. This was really interesting. So I looked up the reference. Uh, it is indeed a paper published in Communications Biology in 2022 by Meyer et al. called Parasitic Infection Increases Risk-Taking in a Social Intermediate Host Carnivore. Uh, so yeah, I think the uh, I think the wolf is you know not meant to be the primary carrier of this this parasitic organism, the, the toxoplasmosis uh, parasite. But it has this effect on wolves that it seems to have on other organisms of making them essentially more brazen, take more risks, which uh, has uh, an interesting downstream series of consequences where it might make that animal more likely to do something dangerous and get killed, but it also might make that animal more likely to achieve some kind of big positive outcome, the kind of thing that you get if you win playing with high-risk, high-reward gambles. Yeah, T. Gandhi is is a fascinating subject, one that uh, I haven't looked at in earnest in many years, but may, maybe it's something we should come back around to because there's been a lot of, lot of research, and I think there continues to be a lot of research into it. But I think if I remember correctly, at the basic level, the parasite wants to return to the body of a cat and therefore tries to get the host eaten by a big cat. <laughs> um, and, uh, and sometimes it's in perhaps the wrong host uh, to actually carry out that life cycle. But again, it's been a while since I've looked at the at uh, T. Gandhi in detail. Uh, but maybe that's something we should we should come back around to see what the latest is on T. Gandhi. Well, actually, maybe let's look at just a little more detail from this one study, because I, I did think this was really interesting. So uh, they uh, they talk about how they were looking at animals within Yellowstone National Park in the United mm -hmm. States. So that's uh, up in Wyoming. And uh, they have wild populations of large land predators there, including wild wolves uh, or Canis lupus and wild cougars or Puma uh, concolor. Um, I don't know how you say that species name, Concolor, Concolor, C-O-N-C-O-L-O-R. And in this case, they say that the cougar is the definitive host of, uh, of T. Gandhi and the gray wolf is an intermediate host. And uh, to, to read from their abstract here, they write, quote, here we use 26 years of wolf behavioral, spatial and serological data to show that wolf territory overlap with areas of high cougar density was an important predictor of infection. In addition, seropositive wolves were more likely to make high-risk decisions such as dispersing and becoming a pack leader, both factors critical to individual fitness and wolf vital rates. Okay, so when wolves are infected with toxoplasma, they are more likely to incur into cougar-infested areas and more likely to come in contact with cougars. They're also, as Ahmed said in the original email, more likely to uh, apparently take social risks or confrontational behaviors that could involve them becoming the leader of the pack, which actually does increase their mating fitness. The authors write, quote, due to the social hierarchy within a wolf pack, we hypothesize that the behavioral effects of toxoplasmosis may create a feedback loop that increases spatial overlap and disease transmission between wolves and cougars. So I, I think the the proposed uh, and here I'm referring to there, there's sort of a, a helpful flowchart illustration within the article. I think the proposed or hypothesized uh, chain reaction goes like this. You've got both the wolves and the cougars in the park. An infected cougar somehow infects wolves with T. Gandhi, uh, and this could happen through uh, like a wolf eating cougar scat 
or through eating a dead cougar's body or through some kind of other uh, environmental contact. And then you end up with infected wolves that are carrying this parasite. These wolves take higher risks. The wolves that take higher risks become pack leaders or disperse. And the infected pack leaders lead uninfected pack males into risky situations, which include contact with cougars in cougar territory, which means more uninfected wolves uh, get infected by cougars. And they, they learn to take risks like approaching cougars because that's what their pack leader does. Hmm. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. Yeah, the, I was say, the cycle continues here. Anyway, very cool study. Uh, thank you for sending it in, Ahmed. Yeah, yeah. And again, there have been, there have been so many interesting studies over the years with T. Gandhi, uh, some looking at, uh, at proposed uh, changes to human behavior as well. Yeah. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the, uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. 
brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, this next one comes to us from Adam. Adam uh, wrote in about music and Weird House Cinema. Uh, Subject line, some musical Easter eggs and Weird House Cinema. So uh, this is in part a response to uh, the episodes that I did with Seth about hidden material in records and musical recordings. Hello, Robert, Joe, Max, and Seth, whom I cc'd because this email is heavily music-focused. I recently listened to both episodes on the history of backmasking and other musical Easter eggs, and I thought I could chime in with some of my favorite examples of these, and one example of backmasking allegation uh, I find quite funny. The first of these isn't really a musical Easter egg in the sense that you talked about in the episode, but I was reminded of it while listening to your episodes about whistling and thought now would be a good time to email about it. In one of them, Joe went off on a brief tangent about reconstructions of ancient music and how eerie many of them sound. Hearing this and knowing you were both Hieronymus Bosch fans, I thought I could inform you, if you aren't already aware, of the Hieronymus Bosch but music. <laughs> in the right panel of Bosch's t- uh, triptych, The Garden of Earthly Delights, a demon can be seen inscribing a musical score on the posterior of a sinner, which a choir sings from. Recreations of this score exist on YouTube, and they're a haunting accompaniment to the painting, and also quite humorous because of the origin. I would love to hear that. <laughs> As far as more direct cases of backmasking, time-stretching, locked grooves, and other musical mayhem, there are quite a few examples I really enjoy. The song Empty Spaces off of the Pink Floyd album The Wall actually contains a backmasked message, which played forward adds a fitting ambiance of foreboding to the song. Played backwards, however, Roger Waters can be heard saying, Hello, Looker, congratulations. You have just discovered the secret message. Please send your answer to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm, Chow front uh, before producer James Guthrie can be heard saying Roger uh, Waters then wife Caroline's on the phone saying so the, the voice is saying Roger Caroline's on the phone uh, similarly Waters uh, had wanted the song Perfect Sense Part 1 on his 1992 solo album Amused to Death to start the song with a sample of Howl's death monologue from 2001 a sample present on the 2015 re-release of the album, but was initially denied the ability to use the sample by Kubrick. In lieu of the sample... (laughs) Kubrick. (laughs) Uh, You wouldn't expect him to give you permission, would you? No, you gotta gotta wait wait a little bit before you can actually go back and say, hey, can I have it now? And the the answer is yes. In lieu of the sample, Waters included a very similar-sounding snippet of audio with the same heavy breathing and a reversed vocal. When played backwards, a tongue-in-cheek message to Kubrick can be heard with Waters saying, Julia, however, in the light and visions of the issues of Stanley, we changed our minds. We have decided to include a backwards message. Stanley, for you and for all of the other book burners. (laughs) Before unintelligibly screaming in a Scottish accent. Waters seemed fond of including secret jokes in tracks, as there's also one on the 1969 music Concrete 
uh, Pink Floyd song, several species of small furry animals gathered together in a cave and grooving with a pict. Uh, when played at half speed around 432, Waters can be heard saying, that was pretty avant-garde, wasn't it? It's funny when you say these uh, Roger Waters phrases without his accent, they they sound kind of goofy. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, they continue. Another funny experimental use of the techniques you discussed in the second part is the locked groove on the final disc of Lou Reed's Metal Machine music. I find this use of the locked groove funny because the original vinyl release of the album listed the runtime of side four as 16.01 or infinite uh, because of it, meaning that Wikipedia lists the album's runtime as 6411 slash infinite, infinity sign. In addition, I like that the inclusion of this locked groove feels like a final middle finger to listeners off an album filled with middle fingers, like the allusions to classical music Reed included as an attempt to get RCA to release it on their classical label. Now, wait, did y'all actually talk about metal machine music in, in the episode? I don't remember us talking about it. If okay. we did, it may have just been a, a quick listing of it. Uh, but yeah, we, I don't think we really got around all, to all day. Right, is this an album you're familiar with, Joe? Uh, I've, I've never listened to the whole thing all the way through, but uh, I've heard parts of it. So it's, you know, Lou Reed's album that is famous for being just sort of like uh, squealing painful noise. Uh, sounds like a riot. Well, <laughs> let's see. Um in addition, there's an example of a musical Easter egg hiding visual information in a spectrogram, like you mentioned, in the game Minecraft. In-game, there are several different vinyl discs that can be collected and played. One of these, simply titled Eleven, has an in-game graphic resembling a broken record and, when played, consists of a vinyl hiss, a series of mildly creepy sound effects that seem to portray someone running from a monster and static. I had no idea Minecraft had spooky stuff like that in it. I thought it was a game where you like, uh, I don't know, hit blocks with a pick and then get diamonds out. Well, you know, the, the monsters come for you at night. I, I know I've played it enough to know that happens. But uh, um, okay. Yeah, I neither I nor my son have, have gone any deeper into it. Uh, but anyway, the spectrogram. If the file for this song is displayed as a spectrogram, the static at the end displays what looks like the face of the default player character, Steve, and the numbers 12418. This number has been interpreted to be a visual signature from the composer of the majority of the game's music, C418, where C is hexadecimal for 12. This song and the discovery of the secret in the spectrogram has led to a lot of elaborate fan theories. But like the Bach motif, this just seems to be another musician finding an overly elaborate way to sign their work. <laughs> as well as actual uses of backmasking and other ways of hiding information, you talked about various allegations of backmasking during the Satanic Panic. One allegation of backmasking from this period that I find especially uh, egregious uh, case of people finding Satanic messages just because they're looking for them is a claim that the theme song to the popular television show Mr. Ed, A Horse is a Horse. Okay, I wasn't familiar with this one. Uh, more details here. In 1986, 20 years after the show went off the air, a preacher from South Ohio claimed that when reversed, the message uh, reads, quote, the source is Satan, and, quote, someone heard this song from Satan could be heard. <laughs> According to a Chicago Tribune article from the time, the preacher stated that, quote, Satan can be an influence whether you know it or not. We don't think they did it on purpose, and we're not getting down on Mr. Ed. That would be like kicking baseball out of America. So, <laughs> uh, so the, the idea was that they unconsciously encoded satanic messages into the theme song of Mr. Ed. 
yeah, I guess that's the charge. But since but you can't fault Mr. Ed, so it's like we're gonna we're gonna give you a pass on this. Uh, well, then, so what's he talking about? <laughs> I mean, what what are any of them talking about? I mean, it's, as we we went into in in that episode and uh, has been discussed many times. It's you have people of this caliber who just kind of go on this unending quest to find proof of the satanic in music played backwards. And if you play music backwards, you'll find something. And if you lean into it enough, you can interpret some of it as satanic. And I guess it just eventually just becomes this thing you do all the time. But to your point, it doesn't really reveal anything at that point, does it? It's just kind of like, well, uh, I mean, are you even able to really hold that up as proof that the satanic realm and therefore the heavenly realm exist. I don't know. It just seems kind of pointless at, at that point. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the email continues. The idea that people somehow have a subconscious pro-Satan bias, but not a subconscious bias to hear messages they deliberately want to hear, despite them not being there, is demonstrative of how absurd this whole phenomenon was. Agreed. Furthermore, this disclaimer didn't stop the preacher's accusation from angering the founder of the International Mr. Ed fan club, who said that, quote, I am completely astounded. We have uh, Gaddafi bombing people in airports. We have starving homeless people right here in America. And this so-called Christian chooses to lambast Mr. Ed. Wake up and smell the road apples, Reverend Brown. A truly devastating reply that makes me worry about the consequences of ever upsetting a Mr. Ed fan. I guess this was before the age of um, of social media and like uh, beef-related clickbait uh, news websites. But you can you just imagine the headlines like Mr. Ed fan <laughs> roasts Reverend Brown. <laughs> it's a different time all right finally adam gets around to a weird house and says i've also enjoyed weird house cinema and have a few suggestions listed below so yeah we get to we can take uh take these one by one here joe eyes without a face 1960 i think this one briefly came up in the show in regards to films in the criterion collection it may be a little too poetic for weird house though you've covered other art films but it's one of my favorite films and i'd be interested hearing your thoughts Oh, I don't know if there's such a thing as too poetic for Weird House. I mean, I think we lean more on kind of uh, lower brow or B movies. But, yeah, we we're, we're open to anything good or bad on Weird House as long as it's, you know, as long as it's weird and interesting and fun. Yeah, we have, we, we we try to keep a varied diet and then try and uh, you know, spread it out as long as it's presentable uh, for others at the table. Uh, then within, then we'll, we'll potentially uh, look at it. I was, in fact... Uh, just looking at Eyes Without a Face the other day, uh, considering uh, watching it or rewatching. I think I saw it many, many years ago, um, and uh, reading a little bit more about it. And uh, yeah, it's it's a groundbreaking one, um, and one that uh, that that still holds up in its creepiness. All right, the next one. The Phantom of the Paradise, 1974. This is a rock opera retelling of Phantom of the Opera, Faust, and Portrait of Dorian Gray, directed by Brian De Palma. It may be too mainstream for Weird House. Also, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if you've both seen it already, but I'd also be interested in hearing your thoughts. We love Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, I've watched that one a number of times. It's, it's It's a house favorite here. I, I have not yet watched it, so this one, this one would be a fun selection at some point. It's come up on the show before due to some of the connections in it. I think Garrett Graham is in it. Garrett Graham plays a, a glam rock Frankenstein named Beef. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's really good. All right, the next one. 
House from 1977. This is an absolutely insane Japanese horror comedy with special effects galore that has been seen, has to be seen to be believed. The film was partially inspired by ideas from the director's daughter, which makes sense as it feels like a child's fever dream. Yeah, that does make sense. House is, uh, is, is of course horrifying. It is a horror movie, but it also very much sounds like it comes from the mind of a child. It has a very and then and then quality. Yeah, amazing poster, too. All right, now this next one. Hyperspace slash Gremlinoids, 1984. This is the very first feature-length Star Wars spoof and the origin of Lord Buckethead, a character who would later become a satirical political candidate in the UK. In addition to Star Wars, it features scenes spoofing many other sci-fi films ranging from War of the Worlds to Phantasm. It also has some wild connections for being a low-budget spoof film from the mid-80s. Overall, it's a wonderful, funny, and thoroughly underrated film. Never seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I have I have uh, met and uh, and and worked with the actor who played the original Lord Buckethead. So kind of a really connection there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right, and then finally they suggest Labyrinth from 1986. This one needs no introduction. It has come up several times on both Weird House and Stuff to Blow Your Mind episodes, but I'd love to see an episode dedicated to it. It could even get the Dark Crystal treatment and have a Stuff to Blow Your Mind episode dedicated to the biology or folklore of the many fantastic and wonderful creatures we see throughout the film. Yeah, Labyrinth is a gold. Yeah, yeah. I I was thinking about Labyrinth recently. Actually, I put together one mo- upcoming Monster Fact episode uh, deals with something from Labyrinth because I ended up getting a copy of the new Labyrinth bestiary uh, that came out uh, that has uh, all new illustrations and uh, stuff about all the creatures in the film and also I think some creatures from um, perhaps some follow-up fiction related to Labyrinth um, or perhaps prequel fiction related to Labyrinth. I don't know. I haven't got into that section as much. But yeah, there's... There's a lot going on in Labyrinth. There's a lot to potentially discuss. So many great creative minds and talents went into it. I mean, obviously, you have Jim Henson, Brian Froud, and David Bowie, and Jennifer Connelly. But, I mean, you also have Terry Jones of Monty Python uh, there on, on the screenplay. So there are all these absurd touches there as well. Yeah. And it's also... It, it just in, in terms of like compare, you can't help but compare it to Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal, of course, takes its world building very seriously and does a fabulous job with it. Labyrinth also does a fabulous job, but it is a it is a musical and it, it has this absurd quality to it. So it goes in all these other different directions. And in a way, it, it might it, it might be a, a more fun film to discuss on on a Weird House episode because you do have a lot of questions like what. How does the goblin army function? What exactly do, do, does Sarah want? What exactly does does Jareth want? I mean, it, it, there's a lot to dissect there. Yeah, I would say that the Dark Crystal is more like a myth where you get a, a, a view from a higher vantage point, whereas uh, Labyrinth is more like a fairy tale where, you know, you, you were just sort of injected into a world for a series of events. Yeah. So all all solid uh, suggestions here. I mean, really, if we were if we were forced to do all of these that were suggested, I think we'd probably be doing pretty well. And then finally, Adam uh, wraps things up. Says, "Congratulations to Joe and the rest of the McCormick family for the new arrival. Farewell to Seth. A warm welcome to Max. Uh, that one's kind of ironic. And a thanks to all of you for creating a wonderful, fascinating, and entertaining show. Sincerely, Adam. Oh, thank you, Adam." I mentioned it's ironic because uh, Max is going to be stepping back from being one of two producers 
and JJ is going to be stepping forward to be like the prime producer. So nothing, nothing tragic going on. Max is still very much around. Okay, one last message for today. This is about Weird House Cinema. Uh, Lawrence says, hey guys, thanks for your entry on Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. I first saw this film with my brother and sister back when it was in theaters. <laughs> I have Wow. I have the DVD and will be viewing it later today as part of my Christmas ritual. I wanted to suggest that maybe the right word to describe Droppo as a kind of lieutenant Santa on Mars is Viceroy. Droppo is Santa's Viceroy of Mars. Thanks again, Lawrence. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't think I knew the exact definition of Viceroy, so I looked it up. It is a ruler exercising authority in a colony on behalf of a sovereign. That kind of makes sense. So if Santa Claus is the king, but he's back on Earth. Uh, his representative on his, I guess, his colonial influence over Mars is his Viceroy. Yeah, absolutely works. Yeah, Droppo, Viceroy of Mars. I'd like to see the treatment of this uh, for like a 1970s uh, sci-fi paperback. It would be amazing. Yes, can you imagine how, how Michael Whelan would render Droppo? <laughs> I, I would have loved to have seen it. All right, we're going to go ahead and close the mailbag here, but we'll be back next week with more listener mail as long as you all keep it coming. So if you have any thoughts about current episodes, past episodes, potential future episodes of core stuff to blow your mind, Weird House Cinema, Monster Facts, or even just stuff we happen to be talking about in other listener mail episodes, write in. We would love to hear from you. Big thanks to our audio producer today, Max Williams. Max has been uh, stepping in to help us out since uh, Seth's departure. And uh, Max, uh, I know this is your your last regular episode. Maybe you'll 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 step in every now and then uh, if if JJ's out of town or something. But uh, just wanted to say it's been been really great uh, having you work on the show here. And uh, and and hats off to you. Thank you so much. He is silently doing the the hand heart <laughs> in the video chat uh, for you listening at home. Uh, so yeah, th thanks a lot, Max. Um, let's see. Oh, if you ever want to get in touch with us here on the show, maybe have your own message featured on Stuff to Blow Your Mind listener mail, you can write us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. 
Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.